This is Clayton Howe's Entertainment X. For this episode, I chat with Celia Keenan-Bolger, and we cover a little bit of everything from the Gilded Age to her alignment within herself, kindness, honesty, and lessons learned early on. So I hope you enjoy this part one with Celia Keenan-Bolger. We're back. I'm Clayton Howe, and today with me on Zoom is Celia Keenan-Bolger. Celia, thank you for joining me today. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. It's so much I want to talk to you about. I promise we won't go through the whole resume. <laughs> I, have, <laughs> I have questions about Gilded Age, but before we get to any of that, I want to take it back to the beginning of time for you. What were your entertainment dreams growing up? Oh, I like this question so much because I've actually been thinking a lot about um, living in alignment with your dreams and how I think the dreams that I had early on and then the dreams that I had when I was 20 and now the dreams that I have at 45 in some ways are the same, but also require a little bit of looking back. And I think the truth is like when I was a little person doing community theater in Detroit, I just hoped that I would get to keep doing it, to right. keep doing theater. And then I think by the time I got to college, I really hoped that I would be on Broadway someday. And then as you start to, you know, tick these goals off of your list, I think it's easy to kind of fall into a place where you're like, I guess I just keep going, right? And and the yeah. kind of self-reflection of looking inside and saying like, am I okay to just keep I think I've always thought of myself as an interpretive artist that I was like, I, I'm happy to show up somewhere and for somebody to tell me what to do. Mm. And that for a very long time, that's how I've operated inside of this business. And that as I'm getting a little bit older, I'm realizing like, what, is there a creator part of me, which I don't think I could have imagined all those years ago. I mean, I started doing children's theater when I was like five years old sure. and I just wanted, you know, I was like in the sound of music and that in my dreams, I think that's where I would end up. And I think now as I am <laughs> in my mid forties, I'm really having to look inside and think like, is is that still enough to just be? And when I say to just be an actor, like I love being an actor more than anything. And I will always be an actor, but I guess it's just this question of like, what else do I want to lend my energy to? And mm -hmm. and that's, I'm definitely, you're like talking to me in a moment when I'm thinking about that a lot. I love that we're capturing this. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Is there been a meditation for you with that or journaling or are you just keeping your eyes open to new opportunities? You know, I've, I, it's funny, the pandemic really, I think so, I realized during the pandemic how my identity was so wrapped up in my work that, yeah. and the truth is, I'm not sure, I mean, I was going to say, I'm not sure it's unhealthy, but when it's taken away, it feels, I was left feeling totally untethered and lonely and like I didn't know what else I had to offer. And I was, I have a seven-year-old and he was four during the pandemic. So I was basically like homeschooling. 
And my friend, Gavin Creel, who has done, like, has journaled forever, he was like, you should, um, you should do morning pages. Yeah. And he was like, just start with, like, five minutes. And, and since 2020, that is, like, something pretty much every day I do my three pages of journaling. And I think what's interesting is that I've always used being an actor to put different feelings or experiences through a processor, like the, the, um, being inside of someone else's skin, just even if what I'm processing in my life is different from what a character is going through, it feels like I'm able to kind of sift through everything that's going on inside of me and get it out. And when I was inside of the pandemic, I was like, where's the processor? Like, there's no place to kind of get this out of me. And I found that the morning pages are really helpful for that. I've also, it's funny, like as I was finishing To Kill a Mockingbird, I did a transcendental meditation training. And I remember thinking like, God, this would have been so helpful if I had had this for the year that I was doing that show. So I also do 20 minutes in the morning every single day. So I have, in my old age, I've really turned into somebody like that I don't completely recognize. <laughs> because when I graduated from college, if you had been like, you'll meditate and you'll write in a journal, I've been like, go fuck yourself. Like, I'm not going to do that. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, over time, you try to assemble some tools, both to give you peace, but also to give you clarity. And I, mm. I've, I've definitely found that meditating and journaling are two of those tools. It's amazing what meditation can do for your spirit and how it can affect the way you respond to everything in a day. Yes, I really agree with that. And I think it's it's interesting that I, I guess I did the training at the end of 2019 and I've never missed a day since I did the training. And I was like, is that its own version of like rigidity or control? But I, I, when I say that out loud that I'm like, God, I've done this for a long time. I don't say it as a, like a pat on the back. I, I say it, I think as a, this has become something essential to mm -hmm. my life that I think now I don't want to live without. And that's, that feels like really amazing to have something as easy as closing your eyes for 20 minutes um that really shifts your brain that shifts your nervous system like i think particularly as the creative person having something like that is uh extremely helpful yeah i'm i'm going to speak on something real quick cuz you've really really touched a nerve here and i can't believe we got into it in the first 6 minutes but <laughs> it's amazing how little you need in your life to be happy and how much we use, some people use, and I'm guilt, I was guilty of it, of like, you know, oh, a new thing from Amazon, oh, a certain food, oh, a scroll on a website or um, news outlet. And when you really just get quiet and breathe, that is like the most, if you can capture that, that is the most centered and I guess a form of happiness that we can have. I think it's so, it's so, less is so much oh, more. Oh, I really Yes. It's a hard, when you live in a capitalist culture and you live in a country that is obsessed with productivity, that is obsessed with stuff. And this includes this guy right here. Like I, I, I am totally susceptible to this, but I, 
I'm starting to realize that my like reaching for my phone or piece of cake or an alcoholic beverage or a shop on yeah. whatever website I go to, I think we have so much intelligence inside of us. And and sometimes that intelligence is reporting things that we don't necessarily want to hear or that are uncomfortable to sit with. And in an effort to not hear what's going on inside, we decide to like reach for things that will make that voice go away. But I think I've gotten to a point in my life where I am really interested in what my body and heart and brain are trying to tell me. And so I completely agree that this idea that the taking away of things is actually a way to get closer to myself. And the truth is, like, in my 20s, I don't know that I wanted to be closer to myself. And I think that's okay. Like, that work has to meet you wherever you are in your life. But that if you are a person, as I have been many times in my life, and as many of my friends have been, which is like, I don't know what to do. What do I do about this? Should I do this job? I don't know if I should break up with this person. Like, mm. I really believe that we have that information inside of us. It's just a question of how we access it and what we are putting, what we are choosing to put in our way. And that that's going to be a lifelong process because I am i can't say that like, I'm like, oh, I got rid of all that stuff. And now I just, it's like a clear channel coming in and out of everything I need. Like, that's just not how it works. But, and I think I'm always trying different things out and trying to figure out like how can I be like going back to what I was saying at the beginning, like how am I living in alignment with my values that I have accumulated over the last 45 years of my life? Like I really am interested in that in a way that I wasn't earlier in my life. And I, I, I think, you know, again, like going back to the culture, like we have such complicated feelings about aging and about how we, especially if you're an actress, like, you know, that there's a, a, um, what am I trying to say? A time span, uh, like a, a marker on, on when you are a viable actress as a woman. And I, I see so many people recreating that narrative and, and redirecting that narrative. But mm -hmm. I think what we don't necessarily talk about as much as how you can really step into a kind of power and, and into yourself as you grow older, as opposed to my younger self, which was much more concerned with what the external world and what people outside of myself mm. thought or thought of me. And, mm. and that alignment feels like a great part of getting older. It's powerful. It's like a self, yeah. an independent power. <laughs> totally. I, in addition to the entertainment dreams and growing up, I'm curious what your parents taught you about kindness. Mm. You know, I think growing up, my parents were both public servants. My dad was an urban planner in Detroit. My mother was a public school teacher. And so much of what we talked about and what they modeled was about thinking of the collective, thinking of the community of something larger than yourself, of your impact on the community, of the ways that you can serve 
the community. Um, and just in like a really base, I just remember early on my mother saying, you know, your dad always says, when you talk about someone, talk about them like they're you're in the room with them. Mm. And I was like, eh, okay, that sounds fine, whatever, fine. Yeah. But I think, you know, it's easy sometimes to get, I again, I, find, I found myself in this so often where it feels good to sort of, especially in a group or with another person, to kind of go down a spiral of like, why is this person like this? Or why do they get this? And just to the curiosity for me now around like, what is that actually doing for me? And is that a good use of my energy? And so I think in terms of kindness, mm. I certainly saw my mother, the way that she both used her, the way she used her energy, both in work and in as a mother. And she was like a really hardcore feminist. She protested the Vietnam War. And so there was that part. And then I would say my dad, I just observed in his day-to-day -day interactions with people, looking them in the eye, making people feel, feel seen, showing respect to the people that he came into contact with, and sort of the combination of like the badassery of my mother and the compassion of my father, I think has been a really... Um, helpful tool in terms of my own kindness that I think what's interesting about the question of kindness is that I think sometimes I use compassion or kindness as a way to avoid complicated or um, difficult conversations mm. and that I would say, you know, I don't want to make this person feel bad or I don't want to make this person feel defensive. And so I'm just going to show them compassion. And I think sometimes like where I am in my kindness journey right now is like, what if honesty was the greatest form of kindness? Like mm. what if really telling the truth about something instead of saying what we think somebody wants to hear or protecting someone's feelings. And again, like I'm very early to this journey, so I, I can't speak to it completely, but I, I feel myself, I, I was just listening to Gina Davis. She just wrote a book about politeness. And I was like, yeah, there is something that I grew up with, which was like, it's important not to be disruptive, not to, um, make people feel uncomfortable mm -hmm. and that I think on one hand that's a really good lesson but that as I'm sort of teasing it out I'm I'm realizing that the way that my mother would show up sometimes which was it did feel disruptive in ways that I think she was modeling to say like as a woman I remember like we were looking at middle schools or high schools for me and there was like a mothers against drunk driving table and she was like so the fathers they don't they're not important in helping our kids not and I was like mom they're just trying to help like what's the deal and she was trying to make a point and at the time I was like oh this is so embarrassing but as I sort of go on in my life and maybe I would approach it differently than her I am just trying to integrate this idea that kindness doesn't always mean shutting up or making things 
easy or palatable for everyone. Kindness sometimes is saying the quiet thing out loud or the hard thing mm-hmm. out loud. And how, how much more helpful that is and how much more can be avoided because it compounds. It just, yes. it all gets, and then they're like, why didn't you tell me? <laughs> I don't want to hurt your feelings. And you're like, well, now it's too late. <laughs> That's right. You know? That's right. And the, and the resentment, I think that can sometimes build up when you're not expressing things that feel uncomfortable and you're like, oh, it's, I would rather take the discomfort over what it's going to feel like for this person to hear it. But then over time, I think that that doesn't, you're not building a, a compassionate structure there either. And that it, it does end up coming out at some point anyway. So it's like, what does it look like to try to get on the earlier side of that and be brave enough to say something that might not be totally comfortable, but that is actually an act of generosity to someone. Is, I'm working on it. Yeah, it's a practice. It is a practice, but how valuable that is. You've been listening to Entertainment X, the podcast. You can follow Entertainment X on Instagram at underscore Entertainment X underscore. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join Clay next week for another Curiosity Conversation on Entertainment X. Thank you for listening.